Well, if you're not there already, I want to invite you to go back there again to Acts chapter 20, where our scripture reading came from this morning. Will you please go back to Acts chapter 20? Our scripture reading came from verses 17 down to verse number 31. But for the purpose of this study and for the sake of emphasis, I want to look at just verse number 28. In Acts 20, verse number 28, the Apostle Paul says in verse 28, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I want you to notice very carefully who the Apostle Paul is talking to there in that verse. Notice how in that verse, Paul is speaking to shepherds. He is speaking to elders, according to verse number 17. He is speaking to men who had a responsibility to oversee the flock of God as someone who had a big part and helping establish this church in Ephesus and so many other churches across the globe at this time, the Apostle Paul knew about the value of having men like this in the church. He knew about the value of having leadership in the church. He knew that one of the keys to having a spiritually healthy and thriving church is found in having good shepherds. Paul told Titus the same thing in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 5. In Titus 1 and verse number 5, Paul told the young preacher Titus, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you, that you as a preacher, would set in order what remains. Some translations say that you would set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I have directed you. Notice how according to the Apostle Paul a church without proper, godly, and qualified leadership is lacking. It is a church that is not properly set up in order. It is missing something vital that it needs in order to function at the highest level. That was true of the churches of Christ in the world 2,000 years ago. And it is also true of the churches of Christ in the world today. This verse still applies to the people of God today. This is something that is worthy of our consideration this morning because unfortunately, as so many local congregations of God's people today, for far too long they have neglected to set in order the things that are lacking. For far too long they have neglected seeking qualified men to be their shepherds. Some fail to do this because they're content. They're content. They're content with men's business meetings and every person in the local church having input into the decisions. Some men in the church don't want to lose their voice. They don't want to lose their say-so and their dominant influence in the church. I can remember working with a church several years ago. And we were going through the process of appointing shepherds or overseers or elders. And a brother came up to me and he said to me, he said, Sean, I don't like what we're doing. He said, I don't like what we're doing at all. 
I said to him, sir, don't you want to do what the Bible says? Don't you want to do what Paul says in Titus chapter one and verse number five? And he said, no, he said, I like things the way they are right now. Translation, he didn't want to lose his voice. He didn't want to lose his say so. He wasn't qualified to be a shepherd. And so he didn't want to lose his input. In the men's business meeting, his thinking is one of many unscriptural reasons for why so many local congregations don't want shepherds. But thankfully, here in this place at Monta Vista, we don't have that problem. Thankfully, here in this place, we have five, five qualified men serving as our shepherds. In fact, there's not a day that goes by where I am not thankful for them and their wives and their whole families. I am thankful for the work that they do. I am thankful for the shepherding work of Dave Sparks and Mitch Johnson and Rick Watling and Jason Amalong and Rick Moore. I'm thankful that all of these men have made the decision to take on the difficult work of shepherding the flock of God, and I'm confident that you're very thankful for their work as well, and yet, even though we're all thankful for the spiritual work they do in the cause of God, I also believe that it can be easy for us to forget what their work is all about. It can be easy for us to misunderstand their work. It can be easy for us to limit their work to just making decisions. You see, so often members in local churches of Christ believe that their leaders only make decisions. They believe that their leaders are sort of like a spiritual board of directors. They do things only like decide who the preacher's gonna be and what the Bible classes are gonna be and who's going to teach those classes and how we're going to spend the money and when we're going to have special events and who's going to speak at those events and how much we're going to pay those guys and whether or not we're going to have blue carpet or green carpet or red carpet or ceiling fans in, in the auditorium or in the classrooms. You see, so often Christians fail to understand that many of those kinds of works they think about when it comes to elders actually falls in the realm of the deacons. That's deacons work. Much of that falls into the work of the special servant. So often Christians fail to understand that while elders do have authority to make various decisions for the local church, there is so much more to their work than that. There's so much more to their work than deciding what we're going to do with the money and how often we're going to have gospel meetings and who's going to speak at those meetings. You see, in addition to that kind of stuff, the primary work, that God has given the men, the five godly men who lead this church, is the work of shepherding. It is the work of shepherding the flock of God. It is the work of shepherding the flock of God that has been entrusted to them by the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. You see, the work of shepherding the flock of God goes far beyond deciding whether or not we're going to have blue carpet or green carpet or, or whether or not we're going to have ceiling fans. Go in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5. I hope you got your Bible with you because there's going to be a lot of Bible in this sermon. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and look at verse number 1. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 1, the Bible says in verse 1, Therefore I exhort the elders among you 
as your fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and the partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain or money, but with eagerness, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proven to be examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, he you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So notice the different terms Peter uses here to describe the work of our leaders. First, in verse 1, he calls them elders. Elders, that means that they're typically, they're older men. They are very mature men, spiritually mature. They are rock solid in the faith. In verse number two, he calls them overseers, bishops, men who are spiritual managers in the church. And then also in verse two, he calls them shepherds. He says they have a responsibility to shepherd the flock of God. Question, how do they do that? How do they do the work of shepherding the flock of God? Well, how about we suggest that the best way to answer that question is by looking at the example of the chief shepherd that is mentioned in verse number four. The chief shepherd is Jesus Christ. And so when you go in your Bible to John chapter 10, please, in John chapter 10, I want to suggest that we can't go wrong when we just consider the example of Jesus. I think we will all agree with that. We can't go wrong when we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And so in John chapter 10 and verse number one, in John 10 and verse one, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. Notice, he's ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A shepherd they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things which were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Drop down to verse 14. In verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice how in these passages, Jesus, Jesus calls himself a shepherd. He calls himself a shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. You see, as the good shepherd, Jesus says that he knows his flock. He knows his flock. He knows every member of his flock by name. Isn't that what it said in verse number three? To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. You know, this reminds me of a sister who I'm friends with who lives in another state. And several years ago, she told me that her husband, who was a fairly new Christian at the time, he had stopped attending services with her. She said he had not been going to worship God with her for quite some time, and she was frustrated by that. She was discouraged by that. She said she needed some help with that. And so I told her, I said, you know what you need to do? You need to go to your shepherds. 
You need to go to your elders, the men who are over that local congregation. And you know how she responded to that? She responded in a way I'll never forget. She said, Sean, I'm not quite sure who they all are. She said, I'm not quite sure I know all their names. I think I know two or three of their names, but I don't know all their names. I'm going to have to go to the website and figure out who they are. That's unfortunate. Wouldn't you agree? That's an unfortunate example of a sheep who did not know her shepherds, and it's very likely that her shepherds did not know who she was as well and did not know about her spiritual needs and the spiritual needs of her husband who had been missing from the flock. According to Jesus, it should never be that way when it comes to shepherds and sheep. According to Jesus, shepherds know their sheep. They know all their sheep. They know all their sheep by name, and those sheep know them as well. They know them personally. They love the sheep. They're with the sheep. They smell like the sheep. They sympathize with the sheep. They truly care about the welfare of the sheep. They're all about, they're all about the sheep. They're all about connecting with the sheep. They're all about connecting with the people of God. For any man here this morning who aspires to one day be an elder or a shepherd in the church, listen very carefully to me right now. No man, no man has any business trying to be a shepherd in the church if he doesn't like being with the church. If he doesn't like being with the people, he, does have, he has no business trying to be a shepherd in the church if he just wants to hold a position or hold a title or have a bunch of people look up to him and esteem him. He has no business being a shepherd if he's the kind of man who's going to run right to his car when we say amen at the final prayer and he doesn't want to be with the people of God. A man like that has no right trying to be a shepherd. A man who's a spiritual hermit, who's uncomfortable being with people, he has no right trying to be a shepherd. Shepherds are with the people. Shepherds are all about the people. They're not about ceiling fans and carpets. They're about the people. They're connected with the people. They're connected with the sheep. They're so familiar with the sheep that Jesus says they know the sheep by name. That's what our shepherds do here. Our shepherds know the sheep. And they talk about the sheep all the time. And they do that because they have to lead the sheep. Look at verse number three. Verse three again, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls out his own sheep by name and he does what? He leads them out. In verse number 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow, they follow me. What Jesus says here is equivalent to a shepherd being a pastor. Well, you go in your Bible to Ephesians chapter four, please. In Ephesians chapter 4, as the Apostle Paul talks about the various works in the church, in Ephesians chapter 4, and beginning with verse 11, he talks about the works of service. He says in verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. Notice how Paul mentions evangelists in verse 11 and pastors. You know, unfortunately, we live in a religious world where so many people get those two kinds of works mixed up, don't they? They, they think they're the same thing, but notice how Paul says they're not the same thing. You see, I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. 
Don't call me pastor. I'm an evangelist. I'm a preacher. I evangelize the good news. I stand before you and I preach the word of God. That's what I am. But a pastor, a pastor is very different. A pastor is someone who tends to sheep. It is someone who shepherds. It is someone who feeds and leads the flock of God. You know, I find it interesting that out of all of the descriptions that the Holy Spirit could have chosen to describe leaders of God's people, he chose this description right here. He chose pastors. He chose shepherds. He didn't choose CEOs. He didn't choose congressmen. He didn't choose parliament or the Senate. He didn't even choose the language of being cowboys or cattle drivers. God's leaders in the church are not cattle drivers because leaders like that have to force those under their charge to do the things they want them to do. Cattle drivers have to force those under their charge to go where they want them to go and to obey the things they want them to do. God's people are not cattle. God doesn't call his people cattle in the Bible. God calls his people sheep. He calls them a flock. A flock must be led. A flock must be guided. A flock must be influenced to do what is right. In our case, as God's people, we must be guided by the word of God and by prayer and by the godly influence of our shepherds. You see, through their knowledge and devotion and faith and example, they inspire us to do what's right. They inspire us to serve Jesus. They inspire us to worship Jesus. They inspire us to keep our focus on heaven because that's where we want to go when this life is over. That's what our shepherds are doing. They know the flock. And they're leading the flock by the word of God and by prayer and by their example. And you know what else they're doing? They're also guarding the flock. Did you know that? Did you know that our five shepherds guard this flock? They guard this flock with the word of God. They, they defend this flock from Satan and his workers. Go back to John chapter 10, please. Remember what Jesus says as the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And we look at verse number 9. John 10 verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, notice the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and, and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He sacrifices for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, someone just doing it for money and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand. He's not concerned about the sheep. Shepherds are concerned about the sheep. They're concerned about protecting the sheep from the wolves, the wolves who are trying to steal them away from the flock. Then Paul warned those elders in Ephesus of this in Acts chapter 20. We go back to Acts 20, and I just want to show you something there again with the language Paul uses in the text. In Acts 20, again, verse 28, Paul says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. You got to watch over all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves, notice, will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, even from among the eldership, Paul says. Men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Notice how like the church in Colossae that we saw this morning. This church in Ephesus, they also had to deal with false teachers. 
They even had to deal with false teachers rising up among the eldership. You see, the devil has always been trying to mess up God's work with false teachers. He's always been trying to infiltrate the church with false teachers. He's always been trying to use those who promote error to steal God's sheep away from him. But God, in his great wisdom, created a plan to combat the devil's assault. And that plan involves shepherds. It involves men who have a responsibility to guard the flock. Look at Titus, please. Paul wanted Titus to understand this. Titus chapter 1. You know, in Titus 1, we find the qualifications that men must meet in order to become shepherds in the church. And we're not going to deal with all that this morning. We don't have time for that. But I want you to look at verse number 9. In verse number 9 of Titus chapter 1, Paul says, holding fast. He's talking about elders or shepherds here. Holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he, the shepherd, will be able to both will be able both to exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Notice how one of the major responsibilities of shepherds is to shut the mouths of false teachers. It is to defend us from false teachers by knowing the word of God and trusting the word of God and having the courage and the love to protect the, the, the flock with the word of God. Our shepherds are doing exactly what God wants them to do. They have a responsibility to battle against those who are trying to promote error in the local church. That's what our shepherds do. Our shepherds are always studying their Bibles. They love the Bible because they have a responsibility to guard the flock. And not only do they have this responsibility to guard the flock, they also got to search. They got to search for the missing members of the flock, the wandering sheep. You know, while it is true that the devil sometimes steals away members of God's flock by using false teachers, other times members of the flock, they're not stolen away by the devil. Instead, they just wander away. They just wander away from the flock. They wander away from safety. When that happens, the Bible says that shepherds must launch out on a rescue mission. They have to launch out on a mission to bring that wandering sheep back to the fold. They got to be like that shepherd Jesus talked about in Luke 15. Remember him? Luke 15, 4 through 5, that man who had 100 sheep. He had 100 sheep. And when one sheep went, went missing, he didn't say, well, you know, I still got 99. I'm good. No, he went after that one sheep. That one sheep was valuable to him. He used all his resources, all his energy and his strength to find that one sheep. And once he found it, he put it on his back and he carried it back to the fold because it was back in, in safety again. That's what, that's what our shepherds do. Our shepherds search for missing members of the flock. That means, that means, my friends, that you should not be surprised if you start missing three or four or five services in a row and the shepherds of this church contact you, you shouldn't be surprised by that. You shouldn't be surprised if you get a phone call about that. You shouldn't be surprised if they're knocking on your door asking you, where have you been? What's going on in your life? What can we do for you to help you get stronger with God and Jesus and with this local church? Don't be surprised by that kind of stuff. Don't you get angry about that kind of stuff. Don't you get frustrated with the shepherds because you say, well, they don't have a right to be in my business and try to find out what's going on with me. No, God says that if you remember here, they have every right to be in your business. 
They have every right to be asking you how you're doing spiritually and why are you missing so many services? They have to give an account for this for this flock. They have to make sure that nobody goes missing. If somebody goes missing, God expects them to launch out on a rescue mission. And again, the reason why they got to do that is because God holds them accountable. They work for God. God's their boss. And so we go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to Hebrews 13 and verse 17. In Hebrews 13 and verse 17, the Hebrew writer says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. Isn't that what Paul was telling those elders in Ephesus? They keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Notice the Bible says the shepherds of local churches have to give an account. They have to give an account to God. They have to give an account to God ultimately because the flock of the local church doesn't belong to them. Instead, it belongs to God. It's God's flock. It's God's people. They're just merely stewards over a flock that belongs to the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. If they don't shepherd that flock in the way God has prescribed, they're going to be in big trouble with God on the judgment day. They're going to be in big trouble with King Jesus. On the judgment day, you know what that means? That means that the work they do for us, it is serious. This is serious. It's not a game. This is a huge responsibility. This is something that must not be, take light, might not be taken lightly or viewed as no big deal. No, this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. Our shepherds are doing more around here than just making decisions about which preachers we're going to support and the order of the services and who we're going to have for gospel meetings. No, in addition to those kinds of things, our shepherds are diligently involved in watching over souls. They're involved in watching over souls. That's their responsibility. The question is, it's what's our responsibility? What are we supposed to be doing? We know what the shepherds are supposed to be doing and what they are doing, but what are we supposed to be doing as they watch over us and love us and care for our souls? Well, one thing we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be following them. As, as members of the flock here, we're supposed to follow our shepherds. We're supposed to submit to our shepherds. God wants us to submit to their oversight as they lead us in the word of God. Are you still in Hebrews 13? Look again in verse 17. What does it say in verse 17? The Bible says, obey your leaders and submit to them. You see that? For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy. And not with grief, for this will be unprofitable for you. When God says something's going to be unprofitable, it's time for us to sit up and listen. We need to listen to what God has to say. Notice how the relationship between sheep and shepherds is only effective when both parties are doing what they're supposed to do. The shepherds have to lead. And they have to feed. But we're supposed to submit we're supposed to obey the shepherds. We're supposed to recognize the authority they have from God and submit to that authority. We're supposed to yield. We're supposed to surrender in the areas where God allows them to make judgments. We're supposed to avoid rebelling against them 
and gossiping about them and grumbling against their leadership. God says that if we bring unnecessary stress and grief to the shepherds who have authority to lead this flock, it is going to be unprofitable for us. It is going to be unprofitable for us on the day of judgment. God says we're supposed to submit and obey the shepherds. Why? Well, because they watch out for our souls. When the Bible says they watch out for our souls, it is urging us to understand that shepherds love us. Listen to me very carefully. And I know this firsthand because I am blessed to be in meetings with them. All five of these shepherds love you. They love you. I don't care who you are. They love you. They care about you. They desire you and every other member here. To be in heaven. And that's why we must follow them. Because they're men of God who love the people of God. We must follow the shepherds. And we got to highly esteem them. Someone says, where's that language in the Bible? Well, that's in 1 Thessalonians. Will you go in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 12, please? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12 says, verse 12, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you. That's the shepherds. Have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly, it says, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Notice because of the work that they do in shepherding our souls, God commands, God commands that we have very high regard for these men. God commands that we respect these men. God commands that we love these men and strive to be at peace with these men. Doing this requires that we appreciate them. It requires that we encourage them as often as we can. It requires that we make an effort to spend time with them outside of this meeting place. It requires that we pray for them every single day. Every single day we should be praying for our shepherds. Every single day we should be praying, thanking God for them and asking God to be with them. Give them wisdom, give them courage, give them strength, give them good judgment as they do this very challenging and critical work. We must highly esteem the shepherds and we also got to imitate the shepherds. We got to imitate the shepherds. First Peter three or first Peter five and verse three says that the elders are examples to the flock. Go back, please, to Hebrews 13. This time, we're not going to look at verse 17. We're going to look at verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember those who led you. That's the shepherds who spoke the word of God to you. And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. The Bible says we are to imitate the faith of the shepherds. We are to imitate the conduct of the, conduct of the shepherds. Why? Well, because obviously their conduct is worth imitating. Their faith is worth imitating. Here, the Bible assumes that shepherds will have exemplary faith. They will have exemplary conduct. They will be true men of God and followers of Jesus Christ. They will be an example to all of the flock of God. The Bible says that if we imitate the faith and conduct of our shepherds, the result of that is going to be good. 
It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to lead us ultimately to heaven where our shepherds are trying to get us to go. We must imitate shepherds and we got to be cautious with accusations against them. I want to go in my Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19 as Paul is talking to the preacher, the preacher here, and he says in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 19, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in the spirit of partiality. Why, why are these verses here in the Bible? Why is God going through all the trouble to preserve this information right here? Well, the reason why these verses are in the Bible is because God knows people. God knows how people can be sometimes. God knows how even Christians can be sometimes. God knows that even Christians can be ugly and rude and unkind to leaders. He knows that even some Christians can bring unfair and unwarranted accusations against the leaders in the church in an effort to destroy them and destroy their reputation. God tells us that if we bring accusations against the shepherds in the church, we need to do that with great caution. We need to be very, very careful while no Christian, not even an elder, is above the law of God. If we truly believe that a shepherd is in sin, God says, you better follow my plan. You better do it very carefully, very cautiously. You need to understand that unjustly seeking to destroy a leader in the church can bring great harm to the church and great damage to God's work. We need to be cautious with accusations against the leaders of God's people. And we need to be patient. The Bible constantly tells us to be patient with each other. And that's, that's true with our shepherds. While our shepherds are great men, great men of God who love God's people, we got to always remember that they are just that. They are just men. They're not Jesus. They're men. And as men, you know what that means? They're not perfect. They're not perfect. They make mistakes. They're not going to do everything we want always in the way that we want and in the time that we want. we got to always remember that these men, they're doing the very best they can. They love us. They care about us. They've taken on tremendous tasks that they have to give an account for, and because of that, they deserve patience. And they deserve our love, and our kindness and our encouragement and the benefit of the doubt. They've taken on a great work. In fact, this is going to be the first, and listen carefully, this is going to be the first of four lessons that I'm going to be doing over the next four months about various roles in the church. Since we have reached the church portion, of our Rising Above series. And for you, those of you who are members here, you know what I mean when I say that. I thought it would be good for us as a church to remind ourselves of the works of various workers in the church. I thought it would be good for us to remind ourselves of the work of shepherds this month and the work of deacons next month and the work of the preacher the next month after that 
and then the work of us all, even the next month after that. You see, God in his great wisdom has set up the local church in a very specific way. God in his great wisdom has prescribed the appointment of qualified men to serve as shepherds, and we need to make sure that we utilize these men in the right way. We need to make sure that we utilize them to accomplish the purposes of God. Instead of going to them first to talk about the temperature in the auditorium, we need to go to them for spiritual counseling. You need spiritual counseling? Go to your shepherds. You're battling temptation and you're struggling? Go to your shepherds. You need somebody to pray with? You need somebody to study the Bible with you? You need somebody to mentor you in your service to God? Go to your shepherds. Go to Jason Amalong. Go to Mitch Johnson. Go to Rick Moore. Go to Dave Sparks. Go to Rick Watling. These are your shepherds. These are the men that we have appointed here to lead our souls to heaven and to help us become more like Jesus Christ. And they, and they need our encouragement and our love and our prayers. In fact, let's pray for them right now. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we bow our heads this morning, Father, thanking you for being such a good God a God so wise and loving and all-knowing and who created your church. And you set up local congregations in the Bible in a very specific way. You set them up with shepherds to oversee the flock. And we're thankful that you've blessed us here with five wonderful men to be our shepherds. Thank you, God. Thank you. And we pray, Father, that you will be with these men and be with their wives and hold their hands and use us to encourage them. And Father, let us always be mindful of making their job difficult. Bless them, Father. Let them strive to be like the chief shepherd and may you please reward them with a great reward on the judgment day. In Jesus' name, amen. We spent this lesson talking about shepherds in the local church, but maybe there's someone here this morning and you need to submit to the chief shepherd. Maybe there's someone here this morning and you need to surrender yourself to Jesus Christ by having faith in him and repenting of your sins and being baptized into Christ. If there's someone here who needs to surrender to the chief shepherd, Jesus, come to the